Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Creator Spotlight Season 2 from The Interface. Creator Spotlight is our new series where we talk to creators about what they make and do and how they got started. Today I'm joined by Jim Starling, who runs the YouTube channel Definitely Not A Guru. All in all on word, uh, the channel talks about cars, anything from advice to petrol and EVs. So welcome, Thanks, Jim. Alex. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Um, so yeah, you run the, the YouTube channel Definitely Not A Guru. Um, I think we were, t- we were talking pre pre recording the show about the name. So how did how did that name come about? Yeah, for the so YouTube um, when I initially started just... the YouTube channel, I mean, my background's all in business. I worked in insurance for twenty five years, and um, I started off as a business channel. So I've helped lots and lots of friends and contacts in in a sort of professional and uh, unprofessional, <laughs> sorry, informal um capacity for years just helping them with their business and stuff and it became apparent to me over the years that there are lots and lots of people that are really good at what they do like exceptionally good at what they do they have particular talent or skill but they know absolutely nothing about running a business and indeed there are some dangerous people that think they do know something about running a business and don't really have an idea and you just see people squander money and so i thought Actually, that's something I've got yeah, yeah. to say to people. So um, I should start a YouTube channel. Thought about it for about four or five years. Uh, lots of life events happened at once. And I was fairly miserable in my old job. And I just decided to um, bite the bullet and, and go for it. So Definitely Not Guru was a response to all the business gurus on YouTube that are basically just selling you a course that teaches you how to sell a course that teaches you how to sell a course. And um, I just thought YouTube was so (laughs) full of bad advice and people uh, kind of acting as genuinely helpful people, but just really self-serving. And there's always this thing, you know, where someone's lent over a Lamborghini and it's, I've started my $10,000 agency in two weeks or something. And it's, it's nonsense. So definitely not guru was kind of, Normal bloke, real advice. <laughs> um, and I just found it mind-numbingly boring. I did about five videos, found them difficult to get through because I didn't really have a passion for it. It's something that I've always done professionally. It's something I still do professionally. I work as a business consultant as well as doing this. Um, but to make video content about it was was a job. And I think I did two car videos and just found them so easy to make and it quickly transitioned into a car channel i think a lot of people think it's some sort of stab at car gurus or something and it's it's totally not it's Um, just an absolute accident i'd (laughs) love to change it actually and change all my social media to something where i can get the same name on everything but i don't know if it's a bit too late now and um it's so difficult you could you could you could just use your name i suppose yeah yeah. I'm not sure how easy that yeah. is to change. Yeah. It's yeah, it's um the the problem is is getting the social media handle on every platform because you'll find that oh yeah, it's available on mm. three of them and then two of them you need something weird and wonderful. Um hence my social media yeah channel names all being completely bizarre. So <laughs> Yeah, I had the same thing. So I rebranded this website, this website was called like Alex and Tom's Tech or something ages ages ago. This website's been been around yep. for ten years, and last year the year before, I decided to change it mm-hmm. to the interface. And getting that was quite mm-hmm. difficult. Um, I mean, the Twitter one's got like two underscores yeah. in it. It's just a bit yeah, ridiculous. It tough. Um, but it, it mm-hmm. works. So yeah. Um, so how long have you been doing? So you said about five years. You've been doing the car, the car. No, I've only YouTube been doing or... it. Um... No, I, I spent so long thinking about doing the business stuff and then it was purely oh, right. by accident that I sort of transitioned to the car stuff, really. Um, so YouTube in itself, I think I started about 18 months, two years ago, my first video. Yeah, probably two years ago. Um, and um, yeah, I think I probably did the business <clears throat> stuff for about a month and then just transferred over to um over to this over to the car stuff because as i said it's just so much more kind of natural for me and i do quite a lot of car leasing content yeah. because in my Definitely. previous life i ran a, a fleet of vehicles and you start to look into 
in quite sort of you look quite deeply into how you can get the most bang for your buck and you know for us it was it was leasing work for us and then personally leasing worked for us um so it's everything i do i hope is um comes from either my own personal experience or it's always genuine that's the point i'm badly trying to get across is my content is always genuine Yeah, I've watched uh, quite a few of your videos already, and it's it's it definitely comes Good. across. Um, especially when you've, I think I think one of the videos I watched was about the MG4, yep. and I think you you own that car, um, and that it definitely comes across that what you're pervade, uh, conveying to the to the list, the watcher is 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 what you think and what you believe. So it's 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 good to have that because there's a lot of I've had some journalists on before, and obviously they've they've only had the car for like a week, and it's difficult to difficult for them to form a solid opinion on the car in a week i, I guess sometimes they can <clears throat> um but it's it's good that you've some of the cars you drive you actually own which yeah is, so the um i don't actually own the, good for the, the yeah i don't stuff. actually own the mg4 but the i've i've done a couple of cars i've done a couple oh, okay. of reviews in cars that i own but when i have um the review cars so i tend to get them for a week um when i get those i try and do everything i possibly can in that car and I try and so I'll have a half a day where I go and take it onto every kind of road <clears> surface <throat> I can find locally, <clears throat> and then um, yeah, I'll also use it to do the shopping. I'll take the kids out somewhere in it. I'll try and do everything possible to get a really good idea of what the car's like. Um, the really difficult ones are when you go to drive days because you turn up and it'll either be one brand or maybe lots of brands. They've got all their cars there. And you get somewhere between 10 minutes and half an hour with each car. And obviously you just cannot form <clears throat> a worthwhile opinion in that time. You can quite often tell if you like it or not, but that's about as far as it goes. You know, I, I usually spend about two hours with the entertainment system yeah. because I'm a tech geek. So I'll spend a good two hours just prodding yeah. around in menus and things. And um, you just don't get a chance to do any of that at the drive days, unfortunately. No, some of the entertainment stuff they can definitely seem okay on the surface, <clears throat> yeah. um, but once you spend, what well, do do a drive in it and make and try and use different things, it's definitely like, oh, this is rubbish. This is yeah, good. yeah, and there's so many systems now as well where you get in and you just plug your phone in or you just connect, you know, wireless CarPlay or something, and you think actually some of the manufacturer systems are so bad. Take the lead that some manufacturers have and and just give us a, a screen and plug the phone in and that's that yeah um maybe even as a, a cost saving yeah, option you know yeah definitely that's what that's what dutch have been doing so i've heard a lot of advertisements for dutch on the radio <clears throat> excuse me and they've they've actively pushed that we don't give you a screen because what's the point yeah. you've got one um just plug your phone in or dock your phone in so makes makes not less yeah yeah i think it's a great shout and yeah so Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That's that's all right. Carry on. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> uh, that's right. Um, so with the the cars you get, so you've got. Do you do you? I've always asked this. I've always asked this question that when I've had automotive people on. It's like, how do you go and get the cars? Like, because it's it's definitely unknown for a lot of people. Like, how that little bit of life works. Yeah. So, like, do you approach manufacturers directly, or you? Yes, there are two main ways to do it. I guess three, because three is that you can appeal to, once you've got some an audience, you can appeal to your audience to lend you their cars. But um, the, the main ways to do it are either to go to the manufacturer, to go to the, the sort of press people at the manufacturer, and second one is to approach local dealers. Now, I've taken the decision not to go down the local dealer route um, because I right. just personally a lot of my content sort of suggests that there are other ways to do this than going through car dealers in terms of finding the best deal for your car, finding a finance deal that's good for you, not for the car dealer. And I'd feel a bit of a hypocrite probably doing that. If a dealer approached me and they were completely happy with everything I currently do and didn't want to change it, I'd be absolutely fine with that. In fact, I just did a presenting job for, yeah. um, 
for quite a large dealer network uh, just at the end of last year. But I personally go directly to the manufacturers. Um, not all manufacturers will give me cars. Uh, there are lots that don't, uh, lots in Germany that don't. Um, yeah. But uh, some of them have been brilliant and <laughs> massively supportive. It's a bit of a chicken and egg situation as well, because if they don't lend you the cars, it's more difficult to grow your channel and you you know you you can only show what yeah. you're given um what what is difficult is that when you get a car obviously the first people that get the cars will be carwell uh, auto express um all the magazines auto car and what have you top gear magazine they'll all get the cars first <clears throat> and often they'll have these launch events yep. abroad or sometimes in the UK but those guys will always get an invite and people like me don't often get one when you're the first person to release a review or one of the first it gets huge views when you do it six months later it doesn't and that obviously makes it more difficult to grow but you know obviously economies of scale and if you've got something you want it to reach the the largest audience possible but it is difficult to to grow um, in on that side of things. But luckily I've got my other videos that sort of help support. I think if I was just a car review channel, it would be really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a lot of advice videos and uh, news videos as well, yeah. um, which seem, they seem really good. Um, but it's d definitely there's not, there's not a bunch of really good advice out there about leasing cars and that sort of thing. So it's good that someone's making that mm. sort of content. Yeah, it's just <clears throat> it is a kind of unknown if you're new to buying a car. Yeah, and a lot of people kind of say, "Well, I, I just don't understand it." I mean, you you pay ten thousand quid at, at the end of three years, you don't own a car, and it's like, yeah, that's kind of the point because you could own a car, spend more money on it on a monthly basis, um, have more in terms of maintenance costs and road tax and everything else. Um, and then at the end of it, you've actually spent when you come to sell it, it's actually cost you fourteen thousand as opposed to ten. You know, so it's looking at that yeah. sort of cost of ownership or stewardship, if you like, rather than I own this thing that's going down in value every month. Isn't that great? But you know, some sometimes ownership is the best yeah. way to do it, no doubt, but uh, not always. So hopefully, it helps to show people that that's the case. Yeah. Um and with the with YouTube, do you do you rely on um do you rely a lot on AdSense at all? Um, it's a lot that's something I ask a lot of people as well. Do you is that a, a main income for you? So or? AdSense is pretty pitiful really, but um I don't make a great deal of money from, from YouTube at all at the moment. Um people think that okay. subscribers equals sort of revenue quite often, but it's a small amount of money. So typical AdSense for me could be anything from five, 600 quid a month to a thousand pounds in a month, um, which is fine. But when it's your, um, your living, it's, it's quite tough. Yeah. Um, and certainly when I'm yeah. with my business consultancy, it tends to be feast or famine with that kind of thing. And you'll have really amazing months and then you have nothing happening for a little while because you're waiting for the next project to sort of appear. Um, and with YouTube, the most difficult thing is how much it fluctuates month to month. So you can have an amazing month on YouTube and then the next month is your worst month ever. And you just never know how or why or like the I do the least deals of the month yeah. videos. One month you'll get. 8,000 views the next month on that video I'll get 40,000 views and there's no kind of yeah. so um so yeah so Ad, AdSense is one part of it the next part would be sponsorships um or affiliate deals but I'm quite picky with those I'll only ever show anything that I either use or um really believe in and when I do anything that's paid mm. like a just a paid ad where I haven't done anything like I haven't used it for years or anything mm -hmm. like that, I will say this is a paid ad, you know, and make it abundantly clear. Um, so, yeah, so, you, I mean, really, I, I guess 
the target would be to have a third of the income from AdSense, maybe a third from sponsors, and then a third from affiliates. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot of people doing something like like I'm doing would also have some sort of product or service. So you would think I would be someone that leases cars. And in fact, a couple of people emailed me a week probably saying, can you give me a price to lease one of these? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I know a man who can. (laughs) Um, And I've just written a little used car buying book that's now on Amazon. Um, So I've got something of my own to kind of promote, but... Really, hopefully in time, yeah. the content sort of speaks for itself. The AdSense increases, more sponsors come on, and the affiliate deals sort of increase, and then hopefully it can self-sustain that way. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll, um, we'll put that book down below for you. That's fine. Um, so people can check that out if they want Great. to. Yeah. Um, with... Um, yeah, definitely with the, I was just thinking with the AdSense stuff, if you have a bad month and a, and a good month and you don't know why, I guess that, that can probably make, it can make you sort of doubt if you've done anything wrong. I guess. Yeah. It can sort of ruin your motivation a little bit sometimes, I'd imagine. Yeah. And um, I think the first hour of a video now seems to be massively important. And of course, YouTube don't, don't share any of this with you. They don't share anything about the algorithm or... Um, and there are lots, yep. lots of YouTube channels kind of helping with some of it, but it's essentially guesswork. And, um, I mean, all these things about keywords and descriptions and all that, I mean, it's it doesn't really mean anything at all. It's really about your thumbnail and mm-hmm. your title and who wants to click on that video at the time. And I think if it does well in the first hour, I think you're on to a winner. But um, some things like the car review videos, they're always slow, but then some of them in time mm-hmm. just keep keep getting the views, keep getting the views, where quite a lot of my stuff's time sensitive, like, you know, monthly or weekly and that kind of stuff. You need it to yeah. happen immediately uh, because after a couple of weeks, it's it's kind of dead. Mm. Yeah, especially with car reviews, like it'll just keep going and going because there's always someone buying or interested in looking at that car, even if it's used. Yeah, yeah. And, what, excuse me. Go ahead, sorry. And they'll go and watch an old review and just search on Google and you might come up in the search. So it's it's definitely helpful. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so in terms of, in terms of like the community around your channel, do you find that everyone's pretty positive? Or is there some... Is there some stuff in the comments which is a bit like, oh, why have you said that? Because that's always something that people talk about. Yeah, so there are obviously some people that are low on sort of brain cell and probably have to open their mouths to breathe um, that that are quite brave and bold uh, behind a keyboard. So yeah. you get a lot of that. But to be honest, I just don't engage with them anymore. I just block them immediately. Um, yeah usually the thing is either really the, the two things go into in in sort of tandem is the person struggles to write a sentence that makes any sense and it's usually fairly offensive um and you just think oh god i can't deal with this anymore i used to always argue back and all the rest of it and i just block them now yeah um a lot of the silliness i get in the comments will be the ev or ice debate and it's people saying that the other side of the fence is a complete moron. Uh, and there seems to be no... So I try and bring a bit of balance to that because um, I think the whole thing is lacking a bit of balance. It seems to be that, mm. you know, one is the saviour one minute and uh, and one's the villain and, and vice versa, depending on who you speak to. And I think there's so much misinformation on both sides that supplied by lobbyists or oh, people yeah. that have got a bit of skin in the game. Um, and it, it, that kind of thing gets really silly at times. Um, but but generally, yeah. like the community are brilliant and there are lots of people that comment on all the videos and, you know, I feel like I know some of them because they've been commenting on videos for, for so long. 
Um, so that's really cool. Yep. And by the fact that you mm. can just hide the idiots from the channel, uh, I never see their comments again. Their comments never appear on the videos again, mm -hmm. and it's one click. So it's really, really easy. Mm -hmm. um, once I learned that that was a thing that you could do, it made life much better, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it can get, I'd imagine it could probably get like sort of demoralizing. I mean, yeah. I publish videos on, on our channel, on my channel, the interface, and there's, it doesn't, they don't get many views, to be honest, but we don't have any, there's no comments on there because there's hardly any anyway. So luckily I haven't seen any of that other side of other side of it thankfully yeah mm. so um but probably one day i will oh yeah you will for sure and um it's probably about one in 20 something like that maybe one in 30 mm. but once you start to just get rid of them immediately don't respond don't do anything just block it that becomes yeah. like one in a hundred um so mm. yeah it's just part of it i'm afraid yeah mm. yeah yeah, especially with the um, you know about the like, you got two topics and then there's one side. Both sides are very passionate about it. That happens all the time. I mean, like when iOS and Android, oh were, yeah, like I don't know, like ten years ago, that you get the the two different camps and the EV stuff. So there was a guy on, I can't remember his name. I didn't really care what his name was. There was a guy on Jeremy Vine. There's some guy that was ranting about EVs, and oh, it turned not, out he was oh, a lobbyist. Yeah. Um, oh god, Mike. <clears throat> Probably, yeah. But yeah, I saw it and he's the guy's a complete yeah. utter idiot. Yeah. There was um a video that uh, electrifying.com made. Um so you got Tom can't uh, forgive me, I can't remember his name. Tom something. He used to be on Top Gear, um the Top Gear magazine. Uh, but they they debunked every single thing he said and said, Well well this, this and this and this. And like, okay, yeah, definitely. It's just they've heard something. And that's how that's how things like misinformation get around unfortunately and then with the with the ev stuff everyone's sort of like a bit worried about what's going to happen or they're not too sure somebody's somebody's nans told them this and somebody's yeah whatever <clears throat> so <clears throat> um a great example was last year i had andrew till on so he's mr ev yep. on youtube and he was saying yeah he told me on the podcast that he has he has got electric cars obviously and he took his electric car to his mum's house and she told him oh um have you heard about these self-charging hybrids um, they're gonna, they're gonna like, make your make your electric car irrelevant. Yeah, because she heard it on the TV or the radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, it was quite, it was quite, quite funny. Yeah, that's a whole can of worms oh. as well, isn't it? Self charging hybrid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, for for me, yeah, I mean, he was telling, he was telling me, sorry, oh, sorry, carry on. Sorry, yeah, he was telling me that 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 ad campaign's now become um, it's against advertising agent standards in Norway, I think. Oh yeah. They just said no you're not allowed to you're not, not allowed to do this but they've yeah. they're still doing it here. <laughs> yeah, I know um was it fully charged got into a bit of controversy with with all that as well. Um by kind of oh, right. calling calling out one large manufacturer on um the self-charging mm -hmm. hybrid thing and uh, I think they've had a bit of a seismic falling out with them from what I understand but well wow. I've got a good relationship good, though. with that manufacturer, and long may that continue. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad. Well, it's good that they've done it. Maybe so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the the EV thing for me is is kind of I love EVs, um, but not necessarily because of how they're powered. For me, it's about technology. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different driving experience, and some of my favorite current cars are EVs. So I get put into the category of, oh, he's an EV lover and blah, blah, blah. Um, where really, I'd like the car just as much if it, is, if it were powered by anything. If it performs that way and it's got that technology and you can essentially have the car parked on your drive, download an update and get an extra x amount of horsepower or a new feature or something yep. like that kind of thing is mind-blowing and it's the biggest change the industry has seen since the horse and cart went out however i also think synthetic fuel is an option and we shouldn't be scrapping yep. if we are really doing this for the environment and nothing else we shouldn't be dumping um and kind of villainizing um 
perfectly serviceable petrol and diesel cars that could go on for years because they're already here. We don't need to make a new one. It's already here. Um, yeah. So I think we should be encouraging synthetics a lot more and probably doing more to develop that side of things. And in future, why shouldn't people have a choice between EV and synthetic fuel in the same way as now that they, or 10 years ago, they had the choice between petrol and diesel. Um, I, I personally don't see hydrogen ever working because you've got a much less efficient electric car than you have with a battery electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so I don't see why you'd, potentially have something that uses up to six times more electricity than a battery electric car. I don't really see how that is helping things Um, and Mm -hmm. involves more mining and all the other negative bits and bobs. Um, But yeah, the best cars I've driven this year, um, two were fire breathing petrols and probably two or three of them were, were EVs. Um, I, I actually wrote a piece on my blog, which was called When Did Fuel Get So Sexy? And it kind of goes back to, can we actually start talking about whether it's a good car or not? So that, that seems to have yeah, been yeah. lost in the mix a bit. Yeah, definitely. It's it, Yeah, it's it's gone a bit mad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you're on about... You're on about the um, hydrogen stuff and all the different energy energy um, different energy types. There's a there's a video that um, it was ages ago. I watched it. It was uh, Top Gear had um, the guy from National Grid on on there. I don't know if you've seen oh, that. Yeah. The, the National Grid, yeah, was in, I think he's in charge of National Grid Energy Supply or something. Um, very very intelligent guy. Um, and this was published in 2020, I think. So it's a little while ago now. A lot of stuff he said were is still has come. This happened. Um, I think it was on about that most of, he said, I think he's saying most of the emissions for cars comes from everyone who's just driving around all, every yeah. day, all day, commuting, that sort of thing. He said, he said, if, if a large percentage of those just go EVs, that'll, that'll be a good, that'll solve quite a few problems. And then there'll still be the people, like the very small percent of people who have classic cars or old cars, yeah. uh, uh, just drive them once a week or whatever, that'd be yeah. still allowed. I think he was saying, I think I was saying about hydrogen that that will have its use cases for large machinery, possibly. Yeah, and probably public um, transport and maybe aviation and stuff for sure. Yeah, I think he was saying it doesn't make much sense for pet like cars as as they are now. As mm. I think, yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not very efficient, as you said. It, it it takes a lot of work to to scrape the hydrogen off wherever it lives, yeah. and like I think. <laughs> Yeah. Like, no, I want then, something about scraping hydrogen off surfaces and things. So. <laughs> yeah. And then even when it's in the car, so it's still an electric car. It's just powered by hydrogen fuel cell rather than a battery. So it has to convert yeah. that hydrogen back into electricity. So we've already made it as electricity, use that electricity to make hydrogen, and then you have to change it back. So it's yeah. immediately not massively efficient. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only yeah. benefit is that how quickly it fill, fills up. But yeah, yeah, which obviously is huge, and for people that are used to filling up petrol cars and things. But you have you, have you got an EV or no? So I'm looking to get one in the next year, maybe. Um, but I've got a right. I've got a petrol petrol car. So mm. because what well, I've I've, what I've driven you, a few. Yeah, what you really quickly sort of understand once you've got an EV is that um, I just had one from onto for like a month mm. and um, a little Fiat 500. They, I think they, they gave them to loads of people, I think. But they did. They, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's quite a good thing for people to do maybe for a month and just see how it feels. It's not the same as if you had one sort of full time, but you quickly mm. realise that, you graze with your power. So instead of being with petrol, fill it up to the top, run it down till the light comes on, fill it up to the top again with an EV, you just plug it in every time you use it or every other time or whatever it may be. Um, Obviously Mm -hmm. that's not possible if you don't have a charger at home, it's not really practical uh, to plug it in every single time. But for those that can, 
don't know. It's just so easy. Yeah. And there's always, <clears throat> so always with something new, there's always going to be people who have, even if there's like 99 um, good things about it or positives or whatever, there's going to be that, that one negative thing that someone just focus yeah. on thinking, oh, it's rubbish. But like yeah, for yeah. long journeys, yes, you do have to stop. Yes, you do have to stop and then charge it. But the, the, but the the rate of how quick some charges are, it doesn't really. It's not going to make a massive difference. I mean, charges are getting mm. faster and faster now, uh, and cars are yeah. going to charge faster and faster. So, mm. I wish they'd start putting canopies over public charges, because mm. as far as I'm aware, one of the major reasons they fall over is water ingress, and you go to a petrol oh. station, all, all the petrol pumps are covered, and all the EV yeah. charges are out in the rain, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Maybe Sometimes I feel like I'm just too smart for this world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would make sense. Like you could always chuck a solar panel on top of it as well. I don't yeah. know. Mm. That's what Gridserv have done. They've got the, all the yeah the big forecasts. They've got they've got the big canopies of solar panels and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So which which electric car have you got? Or which car have you got, um, personally? So I, I haven't got any. So um, we've got our family car. We've got a Citroen C5 Aircross, which is just a little okay. three-cylinder petrol. Um, but we can just fit absolutely everything into it, and it, it ticks mm -hmm. a big box for us. I did a fairly scathing review of it on my channel. Uh, <laughs> um, all the reasons why you, you shouldn't buy one and why I bought one. Um, but to be fair, it's, it's a really good car. It's just not, not the car of your dreams. It's a car that meets a need. Um, and then yeah. because I've got, I've got a press car almost every week. I just tend to rely on those. Now the last car I had was a, um, I had a BMW four series grand coupe. Um, okay. and I just found that I, I just didn't have cause to use it because when you have a car in for review, you want to spend as much time as possible in that car. So you can yeah. give it a, your honest opinion at the end of it. And particularly as I, I try and make my reviews kind of conversational rather than uh, what I should say, when I say conversational, I should say unprofessional. I try and make them as unprofessional as possible because I think there are already so many brilliant car reviews out there and people that, um, have a team of people putting that review together and they have a team mm. of like production and sometimes the re you see a person presenting the review but it may be 10 people's <clears throat> input that have gone into it yeah and i think I, I can never ever compete with that and i can never tick every box and go into the minutiae of everything and i don't have a camera crew or anything like that so i kind of think well i'll try and make it if someone in the pub said to me, what do you think of that car? Hopefully the person viewing gets that kind of feel from it. I, yeah. I, someone I've watched for years with car reviews is a guy called Bob Flavin, who's um, an Irish yes. motoring journalist. Yeah, and I absolutely loved his reviews. I always have because it's just him talking about the car and it's how... I would talk about cars with friends, you know? Yeah. So I sort of thought if I start doing reviews at some point, I'll try and do it like this. Um, mm. And I think I'm trying to do that, but fading miserably, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. His reviews are definitely, the, excuse me. Oh, um, They've got, a, <laughs> he'll definitely focus on negative, like not negative things, but he'll, he'll say it how it is. Yeah, I, I haven't watched them for a little while, but one thing I remember, yeah, mm -hmm. it def definitely, I'll say it, I'll say it how it is, which is which is good because yeah. that's what you want, really. Yeah, he d he did a brilliant um, road trip video recently, actually, just to totally digress. It's worth yeah. watching um, with a Mazda CX sixty, I think, mm -hmm. and um, they obviously Mazda took a load of journalists over to Turkey, I think. Um, okay. Obviously, terrible times there at the moment, but. Uh, and they spent a few days doing this huge road trip around Turkey. It was just a really, really good video. Um, yeah. Yeah. One that I would suggest to anyone watch. watches. Mm. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. Just go back to that. It, there's a definitely there's a there's a lot of as you said. There's a lot of people just who oh, some people who make videos video reviews that are just reading off things, reading off the facts yeah. of the car, and that's a that's a kind of about it. But it's it definitely good to it's more it's more engaging to watch someone that you think you're with. If that makes sense, that you think you're in the car with yeah. them, and they're just talking to you about the car. So it's definitely makes yeah. it you forget that you're watching it, which is obviously good for viewing numbers. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> it should it should be, <laughs> but yeah, the the then the flip side of that, you've got channels like uh, Auto Fuel. I don't know if you've seen that German uh, Austrian yep. thing. Oh, uh, yeah, that's uh, Thomas. So amazing, amazing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely amazing. Everything looks incredible. Um, the guy's an encyclopedia, brilliant presenter, um, and very very long form reviews. And you think, well realistically i'm never going to compete with that i don't want to be poundland matt watson um uh, you know uh, there are some brilliant people out there brilliant journalists that do it as well james bachelor's reviews are brilliant um mm. and i sort of think let's try and do something that's a bit more natural for me maybe yeah it's easier then it's not as you said it's as you said you find the videos easy to make that that's good because you don't, you don't want to make it a, a task or a chore so the only problem is, I guess, when I don't have a script or anything like that, which I refuse to have, um, is sometimes you go out and film a review and you come back and edit it and realise, oh, God, I've completely forgotten to talk about X, <clears throat> Y, and Z. So, yeah. out you go again, you know. <laughs> but such, such is life. Yeah. Do you do you edit them on, on the same day you've recorded it so it's fresh in your mind or...? Uh, I try to, but it's just, it's not always possible because I usually try and do three or four videos a week. And yeah. sometimes it's a case of, and I I always try and review the car as late in the week as possible. So if I've got the car, say, Thursday to Thursday, I'll try and do mm-hmm. the video on a Wednesday. And it just depends what else I've got going on, um, either sort of YouTube-wise or um or if i've got sort of consultancy work in or anything then sometimes it's not possible but if i can i always try and edit as quickly as possible because as you say you you remember every time that you've had to repeat something 13 times and um it it makes the whole process a lot quicker but my my editing skills definitely uh need some some improvement um, I'm using Filmora at the moment, which is really good. It's really, really quick, um, but you don't have any audio, audio editing functionality, really. It's got a couple of little oh, okay. tools built in, but yeah. yeah, so I can't like add a compressor or anything or, um, and then noise reduction is a bit naff and things like that. And I've, I've just tried using DaVinci Resolve a couple of times, but yeah, I think it's a bit of a learning curve there. Yeah, I started. I started doing videos last year, so I've I work for a technology company. I make videos for them, like networking reviews <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, so I started doing videos then, and I thought, oh, okay, I could do this myself as well. And so I used Final Cut Pro. That's a big learning yeah. learning curve with that. Um, I'm 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 I must be scratching the surface of where <laughs> where a lot of people use it. So. Yeah. But you Google it, and you can have a play. So. You, you Google what you want to do and try and work it out, which is quite, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm using um I'm using Windows at the moment. I used to run like a Hackintosh, so I'd have a dual boot, um, and that just got too much of a pain to keep updated yeah. and stuff. And software updates <clears throat> and things were becoming an issue. Um, and, and I've spent so much on this PC that. I kind of feel like I need to stick with PC now, but <laughs> yeah, certainly Final Cut does look quite appealing. But yeah, I've tried Premiere as well, but just I think you need to go and do about a three-year course to use Premiere Pro. <laughs> yeah, I've watched a few creators where they have they just have weird issues with Premiere Pro. Like there'll be a weird glitch mm. or whatever in the video, or just like a weird white. I don't know. I just say, oh, it's Premiere Pro being weird again. But I, I have I haven't seen any problems with Final Cut. It's pretty good. Um, the only yeah, problems I've had with Resolve seems my really incompetence. 
<laughs> yes, yes. That's, that's actually my biggest problem in life. But um, <laughs> but yeah, result seems really good until I get to like export the file, and then I get all kinds of weird artifacts and stuff on the screen. And oh. I'm yeah. like, sure, it's my incompetence. Yeah, I, I, the problem I have at the moment is videos seem to be too big. So I, I film stuff outside in 4K, but I do the mm. project in 4K as well. I'm not, but something like a 20 minute video is like 15 gigs. There must be something, something weird I'm doing. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it's, if it's 4K 60 on like a decent format, that they are chunky, like really yeah. chunky. And then when you upload them, they take a long time to um, render and stuff, don't they? Yeah, they but do. they do. Yeah. They just do look better. Yeah, yeah. What what do you yeah. film with with camera wise? So do you have do you have a single camera pointed, or do you do any drive by shots? I can't remember. Yeah, so I I don't really do any drive by stuff at the moment, but I am going to. Um, so my main camera, I've got a Sony A seven four, and I've just got a an f one point eight twenty mil fixed lens. That's what I'm using now as a webcam. Yeah. Um, and that's my main camera, ridiculously expensive. Um, don't probably properly know how to use it, but, you know, soldier on regardless. Then I've got a GoPro, um, which I'll occasionally use for some interior stuff, sometimes stick it on the outside of the car, but I'm not a big fan of GoPros, in fairness. Um, and then this is my new camera. Uh, it's called an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've got the iPhone 14 Pro. And I specifically got that to use as a camera yeah. um, because it's just so good. So now on my reviews, when you see the, I'll try and do some slightly cinematic looking sort of sweeping shots of the car at the start. They're all yeah. on, all on the iPhone. Yeah. Um, where the Sony's really good is for inside the car kind of facing me mm-hmm. because it's so good in low light. Mm, that makes sense. Um, it's it's all right, you know. Uh, when I've gone to a couple of events and just stuck a GoPro in the car and shown it, I think it looks awful. Um, mm. Although I know some quite large channels do that and it doesn't look too bad. But um, yeah, I just I just think try and make it look as good as possible. Probably complete overkill, probably all a waste of time, money and effort. But um, I, I just rather it looked good. Yeah. So at least I haven't got that excuse for it not working. <laughs> if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I I I use an iPhone. So my webcam at the moment's an iPhone. So I just got it plugged in, and it and it knows. Oh yeah, as a, web, a webcam. So it looks pretty good. I definitely my older podcast amazing, videos. Yeah, older yeah, podcast episodes I did I did with the iMac camera. I was like, oh, a little bit, a little bit wonky, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they they're just so unbelievably good now. That there's sort of no reason not to use it, and they always say, "What well, is it? The best camera is the one you've got with you." And I've always got that with me. I've also just got this funky little case, literally yesterday, where I oh, can yeah. just oh. plug something in, and it's Pretty it's good. that quick and easy. That's good. Yeah, you can do it that way, and um, basically, you've got this thing that goes on any GoPro connection. Uh, that's a mouse, M-O-U-S. Uh, oh, yeah. Something. But loads of accessories that can work with that. And I think now when I'm going to drive days and things, I'll just leave the big camera at home and and take that in a GoPro. Just easier, yeah. Yeah, I, I spoke to um, Letitia Chatton last year on the podcast, and she's she's sort of like you. She's one person, like one-man band sort of thing. And she just uses an iPhone for everything, I think she was saying just had so many issues with SD cards and just dying. And so, yeah, it's, and all their content looks pretty good. So it's definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I ran into her at, um, I think it was like a Hyundai drive day, actually. And yeah, she was just using an iPhone then. And I thought, yeah, why not? When yeah. <laughs> I'm walking around with this massive camera and spending ages trying to mount it and everything. And yeah, just it kind of makes sense for those kind of things. Um, quite ironic, really, that we're talking about camera equipment just as mine decides to die, and I'm now using my iPhone. So, <laughs> yeah, hopefully that hasn't uh, ruined things for everyone watching. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Jim's camera just died. It's a swap over to his iPhone. So, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so, over the last two years of, well, let's, let's say the last year, uh, what's your favourite car you think you've had on loan or reviewed? It could be anything, petrol or electric, so. God, it's really difficult because there are so many and so many that do such different things. <laughs> For me, the cars that surprise me are always the ones that I tend to love. I mean, one of one of my favourite cars is the Ionic 5. I absolutely love the Ionic 5, but I expected to. And it arrived and sort of didn't let me down in any way. I thought the thing was brilliant. Um, but a couple of cars that really surprised me, the new Honda Civic, um, not not the Type R, just the standard Civic, yeah. I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, like really, really good car. And the Polestar 2, had the long-range performance version of the Polestar 2. So it's the kind of fire-breathing dragon. Um, but it's just so good and so well put together. Um, I've enjoyed the Teslas I've driven. But for me, this kind of the driving experience, I think, was that sort of level up with the Polestar. Um, you sort of feel like you're in a cockpit. The, yeah. the power delivery is ferocious, but a bit more linear, where the, tes- the, the fast Teslas, can, the accelerator can feel a bit like an on-off switch. Um, yeah. Something that's true in quite a few EVs actually but I just think the Polestar really did it well you know yeah I've heard um, a lot of good things about those two cars then, actually yeah yeah and then the the i30N um, from oh, sorry Hyundai um, <laughs> well, <laughs> it was really good um, so many good cars it, it probably I don't know, just so many. But the the, uh, the Genesis cars, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And um, I always feel they get a bit of a hard time in, in some of the sort of mainstream press. And I think they're just fantastic cars and really a rival to a lot of the German cars out there at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I, uh, I answered that with about 15 cars, didn't I? I like that Fiat 500e as well. Actually, now we're onto it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, this is a car I'm looking forward to drive as well. It's just—it's such a laugh. Um, it's just so nimble and everything. I absolutely loved that little thing, and really didn't think I would. And again, those ones always are a bit more memorable when you're not looking forward to them and you and you love them. You know. Mm. Yeah, I got you. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, just before we just before we get wrapped up, um, have you got any sort of? This is uh, quite a good idea, I think. Have you have you got any advice for anyone looking to get started into reviewing cars or going solo into doing YouTube? Is, is there anything you've learned yeah, in the last few years? So, from the car review side of things, I think you have to try and put your own spin on it a bit, and don't try and be a knockoff of something else you know try and do it your own way maybe um and you know really really think about if it's something you want to do people think that's great you get a different car every week and and all this and that but it takes a long time to get to the level where you've got cars coming in constantly Mm. and you know i've been doing this now for a couple of years and still there are so many brands that don't work with me and I just yeah. don't have access to those cars in, unless they happen to be at a drive day that I'm at. Um, so it, it can be tough and there's not a great deal of money in it at all. So you have to think of your motivations for doing it. If you've, I always say with social media, it's brilliant if you've, if you're using it to like promote another business you've already got. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've, one of the things that I, offer advice on for people is current business owners how they can use things like youtube and tiktok and instagram to build a following and use that as their sort of marketing stream um because if you can build a relationship with an audience and they're watching because they want to see it rather than because you've paid for an ad Mm. um it's so much more organic and natural and um it's just a brilliant way of doing it. So I think if you've already got a business or product or service that you want to promote, 
um, and you want to do it as a, a career, then great, you know, make that part of it. But if you just think, oh, well, I'll go and do some car reviews and I'll I'll be Logan Paul next week, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's not going to happen probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think starting off with any kind of social media that is just do it because if I'd have started when I started thinking about it, even if I'd made terrible videos for a year, um, I'd probably be a much at a much bigger channel than I've got now because yeah. I missed the whole lockdown thing. You know, I started a channel at the end of lockdown, which is probably the the worst time to do it. Yeah. Um, right. And I, I think people always say it's a saturated market and that too many people doing this, that and the other. Well, I can always take another one. Just yeah. you have to make it kind of different, I guess, and make people want to watch it. All yep. the people that are making viral content and things, you know, it, there's always room for another one. Um, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, I think crack on with it. Be realistic about what you're going to get from it um, and realise that for most people, it's a bit of a slog if you're trying to do it, you know, professionally full time. Um, and if you're prepared to do that, then hopefully in time, you'll get the rewards from it. There aren't too many overnight success, uh, overnight success stories, um, certainly in percentage terms. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. That's good advice. Um yeah, we'll just we'll just wrap it up there if that's okay. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jim, for joining me on the Creator Spotlight. It's been really, really good to have you on to talk about a YouTube channel and some advice for people getting started. Um if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about what you do, where can they find you on the internet? So my website's notaguru.co.uk and my business consultancy is youdefine.co.uk, Y-O-U-D-E-F-I-N-E. Uh, and then on Twitter at Notaguru3, on Instagram at Notaguru Jim, and on Facebook <laughs> and YouTube as definitely not a guru. Yep, definitely. I'll put all those links down below because that's a lot. It's quite a different, quite a few, as you mentioned earlier, it's quite a few different I'll, usernames. I'll give you my um, my link tree actually, and that just gives you everything. Ah, yes. Yeah, gives you everything in one place. Brilliant. Thank God. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for joining on the podcast. Um, you can find the interface at theinterface.uk and the podcast at creatorspotpod.uk as well. Um, you can join us next time. Thank you for watching. Bye.